You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. We've got Gordon Darcy here. Uh, he's here doing the Aviva Stadium tours. Um, that used to be Rala's job, but... Yeah, I'm not actually doing the tours. Oh, well... I'm helping to launch the tours. Okay, it's yeah. good research. No, you're good you're research. a corporate, you're, you're yeah. the, the corporate yeah, yeah. equivalent of Rala. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm effectively Rala's boss. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so what do you do then? What does that involve? Um, well, we've gone around and had a had a had one of the first tours. Um, so, um, trying to make Rala's job a little bit easier. Yeah. So, uh, putting a lot of the memorabilia in and um, showing the evolution <clears> from. Uh, when the stadium opened, um, the history from the uh, IRFU and the FAI and various different bits of pieces, some jerseys, um, some uh, memorabilia, yeah. um, and the whole way around into the changing room and uh, out onto the pitch and just giving people a bit more, a bit more of a, an experience when they arrive here, yeah. and some more um, opportunity for Rala just to tell some uh, winding stories. I would imagine whatever information you give Rala, he has a couple of stories that he's going to tell regardless. Oh, well, I would have thought you'd just give Rally information and he ignores it and just says what he wants to say exactly. anyway. Yeah, exactly. Which will be much more boring and long-winded than what you can come up with. Oh, it would be more interesting. Could you imagine if you come over from Germany and you're like Rally giving you a, his version of an event? Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be like the you know, 1916 Rising or something if Rally's telling, <laughs> Rally's telling it. I'd yeah. put that lovely guy, that guy's heading back to Germany going, yeah. best day of my life. Yeah, I, did a, I did a stadium tour a while back. I was... I was I was, I was the RAL equivalent, or I was kind of walking around with a group anyway, and someone else was giving the tour. And um, <laughs> we got into the change rooms, and you know they do the, someone sits here, Driscoll sits here, all these guys, Rory Best were here. This guy did, like, picked a back line and excluded me from it. <laughs> he picked, uh, he goes, uh, we've got, obviously got Gordon Darcy at 12, or Driscoll 13, and you know, on the, and, you know Tommy Bow, and he looked at me, and he went, or, or Andrew Trimble. <laughs> You know, he can play you, got the, you got the token one. Yeah, I got it. I was an afterthought, very obviously an afterthought. Oh, that's fine. I get that with uh, with people um, the whole time. They see me from behind and they think it's Brian, and they come up and they tip on the shoulder and then turn around and the look of disappointment when they turn around and it's me. Yeah. And then you get this awkward little moment where they go, "I sure sign it anyway." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually did exactly that. Uh, uh, Drico must be doing something else today, a few few boxes down, and I was walking around the whole stadium looking looking for you, <laughs> or looking for the setup, and then I walked in on him, but I thought it was you, I thought I just struck gold, and then I, I just walked out and it was just an awkward, because, you know, obviously then we'll have the chance to catch up and chat, but then it's like, oh, sorry, um, see you in six months, Brian, because obviously <laughs> I don't bump into him that often. Uh, tell me this, um, uh, we occasionally talk about rugby, but first and foremost, did you see Game of Thrones the other night? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't. Fan? I didn't stay up. I recorded no, it. No, haven't. Like, blocked like, out all. There's fans everything. and there's two two a.m. fans. Like that's yeah. Too so much. yeah, when had it on the had it on record, put it in, sat down, kind of everybody's gone to bed, and I just had my little uh, little little uh, Game of Thrones moment with yeah. the dog. Yeah. Okay. So hold, hold on. Sorry. You did. You did stay up then. No, then I recorded it. Ah, fine. Okay. I watched it the next day. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, I mean, was there was there much excitement? Are you a big fan? And how much um, revision did you have to do? Like, did you watch a couple of catch up um, episodes on um, on YouTube or anything, or a roundup of season seven or anything like that? 
No, but I only watched season seven. I kind of rewatched it a little bit yeah. and kind of just yeah, just stay in touch. Like, but it's you know, it's pretty ingrained. Like, if yeah. you have any sort of interest in it, it's pretty ingrained in there. You know, like you're waiting for this. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's kind of seared in your brain, and you're kind of going, okay, I need, I need information as to what's happening. Yes, exactly, Grant. And um, I don't know, if, are you are you a fan of the podcast, by the way? Yeah, huge fan. Uh-huh. Huge fan. So you're aware of the, you know, the the theory behind Game of Thrones and that it's. Mimicking Irish rugby. <laughs> I mean, you, you're, you're familiar with this this theory. With, yeah, I am now. <laughs> yeah, with, with Lan, the Lannisters, like Leinster rugby being the Lannisters of, of, oh, of Irish God. rugby. That's it's pretty. It's pretty well well known at this. It's stage. well documented. It yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so um, more specifically, who's the monster? Um, well, myself and Barry have fallen out over this a little bit. He wants the Starks, the monster, to be the Starks. I would like the Starks to be Ulster, <laughs> but he's he's given he's given us the Wildlings, and he just shouted louder than me. So now we're the Wildlings. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I wouldn't give. I'd, I'd agree with Ulster being the Wildlings. I'm not sure they get the Starks though. Starks is too noble for monster, no. isn't it? No, I think you're not your high horse monster. You could settle on Connacht for them. No, Connacht are the uh, um, the Ironborn. What, what are they? <laughs> 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 the forgotten about the, yeah, the exactly. forgotten about <laughs> yeah. you just throw them on some ships like. <laughs> yeah exactly nice, nice. Uh, well that could pull, pan, pull Ulster's pants down actually in a couple of weeks time mm-hmm. whenever they play them in the playoff game um, but no the, the Lannister the Leinster connection is very strong nice we've got Sexto who's obviously um, King Joffrey in that he you know he throws tantrums every now and again obviously Jeez. Joffrey's tantrums were more significant when he throws a tantrum someone dies Johnny just kicks water bottles and stuff. Yeah. Grand, that's fine. Um, Carney, uh, Cersei, <laughs> the most Lannisterly Lannister <laughs> there is. Okay. Pure evil, pure evil. God, yeah. yeah, that's fair. Obviously, from an Ulster perspective. Um, no uh, biases in this, then. What's no, 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 absolutely. No, I'm, I'm an objective could, yeah, journalist yeah, yeah, now. No worries. Yeah. yeah. Same way I am, yeah. Uh, yeah exactly, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Lannister. Ooh. Do you know who that is? Jamie Lannister. Lannister. A, an important moment at the, last, at the end of the last episode there. Jamie Lannister left the Lannisters yeah, yeah. and arrived in um, Winterfell. Oh, Joey Carberry? Jack McGrath. All right. Oh, yeah, Joey Carberry works as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Do you know who you are? Oh. Uh, who? An over. Bear with me, okay? John, with if you say Jon Snow, you might get a hug. Sorry. <laughs> you're not Jon Snow. <laughs> I'm just delighted I feature. Yeah, bear with me, right? Could you potentially be, you know, like, like a Tyrion, maybe, like, you know, really smart, really popular, you know, and you've come to the other side now, and you're you're a good guy in retirement. No, you're you're not. Just you're cut not, to the chase here. Who you're not embracing this at all, Tyrion Lannister. No. Who? Tyrion. I don't really have a choice, do I? I've, I I've, I've floated the idea with a few guys, and no one wants to be Tyrion. So, would you would you just do a solid? Good man, Darcy. Yeah. Good man. Uh, anyway, we're contractually obliged to mention rugby at some stage. So yes. European week. What's the story then? Is it just going to be Simo Lencer? Struggling a little bit recently uh, for form. Is it just going to be Simo Lencer? Gets the business then and they start winning? Yeah, like, you, I hope so. Um, I think it's, it's hard for Leinster because the same challenges are there every year. 
in that they have to use the larger squads and everybody and say, listen, that's, that is what it is with a better academy. You can use all those different things. But when you're using a higher volume of players and you're using different combinations all the time, it does eat away at the potential for that team togetherness and gel and you know the the, the little things that you need at the uh, at the business end of the season. So there's a one of the things that Leinster challenges they've had this year is the injury toll that they've had to go through. So the back row is decimated, um, and then Johnny has been you know has had his uh, injury injury struggles rob has had his had his robbie henshaw ring rose so there's been an awful lot of injuries this year <coughs> yeah which they haven't had to deal with in previous years um so on top of that they've got guys going to ireland now they have a bigger um they, the coaches haven't been able to control minutes as they would have liked um which every coach has to has to deal with yeah. um but it's just another one on top of another one of the uh, the Bits of context around Leinster's season this yeah. year. Yeah, but they um, seem to. I don't know if there was many, as many injuries at the start of the season, but there were certainly there was certainly a lot of rotation. There was a lot of yeah, young yeah. fellows. That but that's you might part. But that's part. Of, but that's part of it. And Leinster have to rotate because they have the player management of the uh, of the of the national team. I think if you look at this time last year, I think Leinster are ahead in the Pro 14 as to where they were this time last year. They're still in the semi-final. <clears> they have a home semi-final. So, you know, it's it's. They've gotten to the same place. Performances may not have been very pursued to what they were last year, but I think there's a bit of context around that, around what the the players that they've had. So I think this weekend you're looking at it, you've got a, a really good tight five that's fresh, coming back in, Scott Fardy, James Ryan, you know, the the six front rowers that are really high quality, they're going to be instrumental for Leinster this weekend. And if Leinster get any sort of momentum in the game, I think you get to see, will re, Johnny Sexton will just... Uh, pull the strings as we as, as yeah. we know he can. How um, important is Lowe? Well, is he does he play? Does he start? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Is he sure. important enough to start? <laughs> well, like this is why Jesus. Why you'd never be a coach, right? Like you sit down, you put all the thought into why you pick James Lowe or why you pick uh, uh, Jameson Gibson Park, um, and it can go out the window in a second. You can pick James Lowe. You saying, okay, well, we need him to score tries. Toulouse don't kick the ball, and we don't get the ball wide. James Lowe is wasted on the wing, and then. Um, Luke McGrath goes down and uh, you have to bring on a very inexperienced nine who can't control the tempo of a game. Um, so it's, you can have the best thoughts in behind it, but like there's a huge hindsight bias coming, going to come off the back of this weekend. The prudent approach is what, and we know, and we've probably been the victim of that, uh, from a coach is going with Gibson Park because he can have the most immediate impact when he comes on and he can change the tempo of the game if they, if they need to. Yes, but... You're talking in an ideal world, as long as there's mm. no surprises, you're talking 20 minutes impact from someone who has more involvement versus 80 minutes impact as, yeah. as a winger. As I said, like, this is the, geez, you know, the world doesn't revolve around wingers, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. But listen, as I said, that's why you'd never be a coach. They've, they've, they have erred with the Gibson Park on the bench. Um, and I'd be surprised if they move away from that this weekend. Yeah. Okay. And what about, the, what about the Starks in Coventry? I think they'll get on. Yeah, like there's obviously a big external focus <coughs> on Saracens this weekend. I think you know you and I have been in the dressing room plenty of times, and sometimes stuff is aired and it's dealt with, and everybody draws a line on it, and, and you move on, and it can actually pull guys together. But when it's not dealt with, or it's dealt with by the management as opposed to the players, 
it can cause a little bit of uncertainty in the in in the in the in the group. So that's unfortunately hanging over Saracens, and it shouldn't be shouldn't be in the game at all. But it is, and it's there. Um, so how they deal with it will be very interesting. But they will not have wanted that in this preparation this week. So is that your is that your impression from like from what's going on there that the players no, are just saying- slightly unhappy with? How the whole thing's been dealt with, or no, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying, from you and I, from our experience, would have had some, not something similar, but we would have been in changing yeah. rooms no, where yeah, you yeah. either deal with it as a group of players and everybody puts their car and you have an honest conversation, yeah, and everybody agrees and you move forward, or it's dealt with, it's perceived to be dealt with, but it's actually not, and then that changes the fabric of a of an internal of the, of the team, and we'll see how that how Saracens react to that this weekend from the uh, from the Lannisters. <laughs> uh, I think it's a huge opportunity for them. Like Conor Murray, this is this is they need a huge game from Conor Murray. If Conor Murray has a big, big game, it changes the whole dynamic of how Munster approach the game. If he yeah. can just rediscover you know, <clears throat> any sort of form, in the same way Leinster need Johnny to discover, if he puts his mark on this game, I think they have enough ammunition. You know, yeah. the guys. He's shown he's shown a lot though since, since the Six Nations. He's shown kind of like he's getting back towards where he was. Yeah, and it was a significant old injury as well, and kept him out for a while, and kind of come back in. He he said himself, he's never had so much criticism. Yeah, that's unfair as ever. well because like I think when you look back at the Six Nations, um, the team didn't click, and then people were looking for reasons as to why it wasn't playing. Yeah. You know, um, every position is dependent on the other people around them. So for nine and ten to fire, the pack need to be delivering a certain. At certain metrics and things like that, and they just it just didn't click across the board, and we were not able to create momentum from nine and ten to get the pack back into positions where they used to be, and it doesn't matter if you are world player of the year or if you're the best scrum half in the world, when New Zealand are under the pump and they're, you know, uh, South Africa hold their tight five um, behind the behind the gain line. Bowden Barrett, Dan Carter, these guys, yeah. they're not able to do it either. So I think we just need to sometimes <clears throat> contextualise what's actually happening. So these guys are not, their form is not suddenly imploded. They were just really, really well marshaled as a team during the Six Nations in the vacuum of that tournament. And now we haven't seen Johnny yet, but I, I fully would back him. Every, I'd be scared not to back him um, every, every, every time he takes the pitch. Yeah. And you've seen Conor Murray, you're just saying, getting a little bit of thing. And this is an opportunity where Munster just, I, like, it's incredibly frustrating. There just there's that poeticness um, with Munster and the Champions Cup that they just seem to rise, and something always special seems to happen uh, with them. Yeah. And maybe this is just another one of those uh, chapters in their in their story. Yeah, it's sickening, isn't it? Something it is. Always, it is a little bit. You're right. It is a little bit. It's well, it's fine. I, I like you know from three Heineken cups. So it's oh fine. no, that's fine <laughs> for you, isn't it? Just fine for you. I didn't want to. Like, <laughs> I didn't want to get dry. You had to go there, didn't right? you? Kind of had to yeah. a little bit, a little bit. Um, so obviously, um, uh, pretty successful. As, you, as you've touched on, nice conduit. Um, uh, as you touched on, pretty successful playing career. But when you were playing, Darsh, am I right in saying you didn't get on that well with the media? Like you kind of hated journalists. No, I didn't. I just um, you didn't didn't give them much, did you? No, it's not that I didn't give them give them much, or because, not, because now you are one, and that's that's the irony of the whole. Yeah, situation. well, I'm not a. I'm and Jamie, not a, Jamie I'm, was I'm a columnist. Same. I'm a columnist, so oh, I, am, uh, I have an opinion. Oh, right. I have an opinion. Um, I'm not a journalist, thankfully. Uh, but 
No, my my whole thing with um, when I was when I was playing was so I had a very bumpy start to my career. Um, kind of went up, acted a bit of Jack the Lad, and did all the stupid stuff that I did. Dyed my hair blue, wrote silly things in my boots, and got fat and got uh, rightly so dumped from the national team and nearly lost my Leinster contract. Um, but that was very very. Who was in charge of Leinster at the time? Uh, Mike Ruddock. <coughs> This is like 99, 2000, so yeah. you were probably... This is after you got, you were about to go on tour with Ireland in So yeah, no, yeah, so we nearly went to, I, so I was asked to go on tour with the national team when I was in school. Yeah. Obviously did my leaving search and then played in the 99 World Cup, but like was, like was overweight. Anyway, was not a good professional and nearly, I got dropped out of it, but it was very, very well documented in the, uh, in by sports people, and rightly so, yeah, because yeah, fine, but yeah. it gave me a healthy scepticism of the media. It's like okay, yeah. and I tried to find a balance then throughout my career of not getting to not using the media to promote everything under the sun and having a reasonable balance from it and not living my life in a in a in a way that I am tied to the media. So then, when I had to do media stuff, I could be quite forthright with how with my opinion and saying okay. I don't want to discuss that yeah. or I think that's a silly question so I'm not answering it and um, was quite uh, and that was obviously a frustration from media and then I kind of maybe got a reputation of being of not liking them but it wasn't it was just there I, I'm not obligated to do anything here that I don't necessarily yeah. have to yeah no you suited yourself mm. which is which is fair enough obviously so I think a lot of lads would find that if you maybe let your guard down a little bit and if someone maybe takes advantage of that or just publishes a headline that isn't yeah, I'm kind, of the, I'm kind of the other thing on the other way. But if you're trying to portray an agenda, you're more likely to trip yourself up. So if you're actually not honest around, I think there's certain things you have to yeah. be <coughs> wary of. There's certain topics that are very sensitive and world rugby, domestic. Oh, there's lots of things that you need to be careful around what you comment on. Yeah, prime two prime examples yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> of what not to do. But I think if you're trying to, as long as you're honest and you're yeah. I don't think you ever have to worry about what you're yeah. what you're saying, but you need to be confident enough to stand over what you're saying. As yeah. Well. And then, how do you find that um, kind of with with that backdrop? Kind of you going into obviously you're not you're not a journalist techni- technically, yeah, you're not a journalist. but um, is it nice to to still have a hand in rugby, to still be involved a little bit, to not be just go like cold turkey? Yeah, I don't think like what's going to you play for eighteen years? Like how many years did you play for? Probably fourteen. Oh, fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big chunk of your life. Still good, like 14 years. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Really good. Um, um, but it's such a big chunk of your life. Yeah. It'd be such a shame to uh, just move on from it. And the game is professional and there's so many things around it. You don't have to be a coach. <coughs> you don't have to be um, you know, directly involved in the game. You can still keep an involvement in it and it's healthy for it because you know, we, I largely enjoyed being a professional rugby player. So. Yeah. Um, but it's finding that balance from when you finish that, when you move into the next, the next chapter of it, that it isn't, you aren't con- consistently looking back over your shoulder going, oh, I wish I was still there, I wish I was still there, yeah. because, you know, life, that acceptance of it is, is very important. Yeah, so um, your retirement was in your terms, because I, I experienced the same really kind of, kind of well, sorry, well, the timing was probably two months off. In your terms, <laughs> is that fair enough? Well, like the 50, 2015 World Cup, like actually last game out there, very cathartic because 
I couldn't play the game anymore. Body just wasn't happening. One of those Joe Schmidt moves and it was, I said, did you play against Scotland or did you play against Wales in the 2015 Wars? Um, no, I, I played against Wales away. Yeah. And then that was me and then I, I hurt myself after that. Okay, so I played, so that, that game went really well for everybody out there. It was a brilliant performance and Paddy Jackson played well. Paddy, or uh, Darren Kay played really, really well. Yeah. Um, <coughs> lots of guys played really well in that game. We played Scotland the next week. We were absolutely rubbish. Yeah. Um, and I remember it was one of these moves and uh, lots of moving pieces and I kind of made a breakthrough and it was like just me in the trial. I was like, I got this, I got this, a score. And then got cut down from behind and was like, oh, it must have been a covering winger or something. And it turned out to be like, like tight or loose head prop. Yeah. And he had walked from that scrum to the next rook, had caught me from behind. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> that was kind of the moment where I was going, looking at it going, oh God, I can't play rugby anymore. And I knew it was done in that game. And I went to Galway the next day, got a phone call from Joe and he was like, oh mate, listen, you know, we're probably going to go with somebody else. I was like, <laughs> listen, don't worry, really? I'm, uh, I'm done here. Yeah. Well, what time did your phone call come through? Because mine was late. <laughs> <laughs> mine was early. Really? I was like, I was in the car to Clifton, um, probably like 10.30. I was probably one of the first, might have been one of the first ones to ring, but I'd say it was one of the easiest ones. Like, I'd say it wasn't, wasn't 25 seconds. He was like, oh, mate, it was all a joke. Listen, you're grand. I'm, yeah, done. He was like, oh, keep training. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. He's like, you never know injuries. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, please, someone don't get injured. Yeah. I am not able to, not able to play at this level anymore. Yeah. So my phone call came, I don't know, maybe seven o'clock Sunday night. And no, the whole day, left. I was going, it's got to this stage. I'm good. I'm in. Oh. <laughs> I'm bound to be in. <laughs> I've got this. I've got this, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get caught by a prop. I'm going to the yeah, World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So two times in my career, I got caught by a prop. Marty Cahill playing for, La- when I was playing for Lansdowne, we were playing in, um, playing against Buccaneers yeah. and like trying to run through the middle of the pitch and the, like, the mode was about that deep. <laughs> Marty Cahill just came in. Did you ever play against Marty no, Cahill? No, Marty Cahill is probably like 18, maybe 20 stone. He's about like five foot six. Yeah. One of the few people in world rugby I was taller than. Um, and he just kind of came He's in. Tyrion then. He's Tyrion. <laughs> He's Tyrion. That's fine. We shipped it on. Oh, I've just got why well, you, you put me in as Tyrion. Because I'm sure. <laughs> yes, lad. That's really unfair. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. I know. It's, listen, oh. it's cheap stuff. What about Reds are? Reds are, yeah, yeah, he could be in the yeah, mix. Yeah, he's story. angry as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a schemer as he's well. A, well. There you go. He's a social schemer. Yeah, but that means I'm cut out then, so I'm conflicted. Yeah, now, it's, so nice so, it's nice to have a role, isn't it's it? It's nice to be Even involved. If it is. <laughs> Listen, Darsh, I think we've covered more or less everything. Game of Thrones, Leinster Rugby, and um, I think that'll do us. Yeah, we didn't have time to cover off Ulster, which is probably a good thing. Oh, Ooh, ouch. Just the final parting dig. Ooh. You know, listen. <laughs> anyway, thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Cheers. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.